right? I can only compare my body to, uh, you know, Heidi Klum because I've seen her in underwear walking the Victoria's Secret runway, right? So that started getting me thinking that, huh, well, I guess the more modestly I'm dressed, one, other women aren't going to be vulnerable to comparing their bodies to my body as much and feeling maybe bad about their bodies. Two, the more modestly maybe all of us dress, perhaps that would improve all of the comparisonitis that we're engaged in. Here, we talk about intuitive eating and Jesus. Hi, I'm Nyla, and welcome to the Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast. I'm a certified health and life coach specializing in intuitive eating and body image improvement from a Christian perspective. I pray this podcast allows you to learn the skill of intuitive eating and tap into the awesome body wisdom God intentionally designed into you for food choices and exercise choices. This podcast will teach you how to have a peaceful and joyful relationship with food and fitness, the kind that God desires all his children to experience. I'll also teach you how to view your body as God sees it. I believe Adam and Eve were intuitive eaters in the Garden of Eden, and I'm on a mission to help as many Christian women as I can eat with ease and calm as those two did all those years ago in that famous garden. Hey guys, this is Nyla. I am so pumped that you are joining us on the Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast. So thrilled you're here. I have an awesome conversation that I'm going to share with you today with my new Instagram friend, Heather. I don't know how to say her last name. When we recorded this, she was engaged, so she had her maiden name, but when this releases, she will be married for, I think, around two months, and I don't know how to say her new married name either, so when I read her bio in just a little bit, I will take a stab at it, but I am for sure certain that I'm saying Heather Wright, her first name, but not so confident about her last name, so please forgive me, Heather. I try my best. But yeah, we talk about weight gain and fears that people might have with intuitive eating and weight gain and just a faith-based perspective of all of that. And Heather is a former nurse and she talks to us about set point theory and what that is. We talk about body image. We talk about just how body comparison, how there are different things in our society that can increase that and we talk about modesty we really just talk about a lot of different things and we actually had so much more to say that we're actually going to do a part two so watch out for that it is going to be so great we are going to talk about romance and diet culture and how when you free yourself from diet culture mindsets it actually frees you up to be open to a healthy relationship And just we're going to share our different stories about that. It's going to be really cool. I'm so excited for that topic. Heather came up with that topic for part two. So I'm going to read Heather's bio here. So Heather McConchie is an intuitive eating counselor, nutritionist, health and mindset coach, and she's a former nurse. She loves helping women feel good in their bodies and minds. With over six years clinical experience as a nurse and five years as a weight loss coach, she now coaches women in the intuitive eating model. Her mission is to empower women to have a positive relationship with body and food. 
I love hearing how people find me and a lot of the times people find me on Instagram, but Heather actually told me that she found me through my podcast, this podcast, the Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast. She said she was searching on a podcast platform, Intuitive Eating, and since Intuitive Eating is in the name of this podcast, it came up and she thought, whoa, there's an Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast? So cool. So if you know some people who would have a similar reaction that Heather had to finding out that there is an Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast, let them know. Send them a link to your favorite episode or one that you really feel that the Lord is prompting you to share with them. It's so easy, you guys, to share an episode. I do it with my friends and family. Just copy the link, send it via DM on Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp, or send it just in a text, old school that way. That's funny that texting is old school because it still seems like new school, but compared to all this other stuff, it's kind of old school. But anyways, let's get into this episode. It is so good. And I'm so excited for you guys to meet Heather. She is so awesome. You're going to learn so much from her. Hey guys, welcome back to the Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast. Today I have a new Instagram friend on, Heather, and she just got engaged yesterday. I couldn't go like two more seconds without saying that, so this is so exciting. She is a fresh new fiance, and she is spending um, a little bit of her Friday today talking about intuitive eating, and so welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you so much for having me, Nyla. I'm so excited to be here. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you to be engaged? <laughs> oh my gosh, like a 25. Like I I feel like I am literally like on a cloud, you know? Like you always hear people explain or share like cloud nine. I'm like, oh, that's what cloud nine is. Like you just kind of floating. I'm joyful about everything. Like everything's happy, you know, just that bliss kind of moment. Yeah, I was watching your stories last night and I just thought, Oh man, she's just glowing. Like and even right now you just have this happy like glow about you that you can't you can't make up with makeup. It's just so joyful and I'm so excited for you. This is such a fun season planning a wedding. Some people are like wedding planning it's so stressful but I really think it can be a joyful time to spend extra time with family as you're like making decorations or cake testing and it can it doesn't have to be this stressful thing it can be a really sweet time so I'm I'm praying that over you guys that it's actually joyful and not stressful I appreciate that and I love that perspective I think too I both my partner and I we want to be focused on preparing our hearts and our lives for marriage versus like just having a big party you know which Mm -hmm. isn't either of our style really like we want to celebrate but I just want to make sure I keep my attention on like what this is really about which is like like this holy union and sacred bond that God's like brought us together to create together I'm gonna like start crying talking about it so like (laughs) there might be some tears today but yeah it's a very joyful time and um, I waited a long time for this and so you know I'm 41 and I'm just very overjoyed to uh, be engaged and yeah, starting this next chapter of my life. Yeah, well, it'll be worth the wait then. Um, and it sounds like he's a really sweet guy just from some of the things you posted about him. So oh, I'm so excited. And it's really hard to not do a whole episode here on engagement. <laughs> <laughs> right, there isn't the engagement with Jesus podcast, although that would <laughs> probably be a good one too. Maybe there is one already. I don't know. <laughs> but I guess we'll stick to intuitive eating. But I just love talking about girly things like engagement. <laughs> and so I'll try really hard to just focus on intuitive eating with Jesus. But um, yeah, I guess so shifting from love to food, I have some icebreaker questions here for you. Um, 
Yeah. So what is a food that you are just really loving right now? I'm really into breadsticks. Okay. Mm. Like the frozen breadsticks. I found this like really cheap brand that's just from my local store, but I put them in my air fryer for four to five minutes. Um, and I actually just had one before sitting down with you today. Like I love doing like Caesar salad, a breadstick and maybe like a protein source. And I just find that so satisfying and delicious. Oh, that sounds so good. I'm a bread girl. Like I love bread and I want to get an air fryer. They look awesome. Mm-hmm. I love them because it's kind of like a souped up like toaster oven. Mm. So you can do a little bit more with them. But like I also love Texas toast. Mm. And um, I made Texas toast and then I did like microwave egg whites, which is like one of my favorite breakfasts right now. And so like I make the Texas toast in the air fryer too. Four minutes, it's done. Mm. Oh, I should put that on like my Christmas list because Christmas is sort of coming up in like five months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think air fryers are great, especially in warm climates. Like I live in Austin where it's like 105 degrees. And so I don't have to turn on the oven to still get Mm. that like crispy factor. Yeah. Oh, man, that sounds so good. Um, Is there something that you don't really like right now? Some kind of food? You know, I am not really into uh, like ice cream. And what's been so cool in my intuitive eating journey is I used, I really eliminated sweets from my diet for a very long time and sugar. So then when I was reintroducing foods, I was eating lots of sweets. Um, And I realized that like, I actually don't, not that into ice cream. Like I have ice cream in my freezer and I just kind of like forget about it. So (laughs) give me the bread though. I'll eat all the bread or like, I love cupcakes, cookies, but just like, I don't know. Ice cream isn't my favorite. What if there was bread flavored ice cream? Would you try it? <laughs> Garlic bread flavored ice cream. Like oh, maybe that that sounds really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I honestly actually really like most foods. So my my boyfriend, well, my fiance actually, oh my gosh, mm. my fiance and I went out for sushi on Wednesday night to celebrate. And I love sushi and he ordered a bunch of stuff for us, but he ordered these like little fish that were wrapped in like a wonton and deep fried. And I had that and I was like, nope, not for me. Like with the fish head and the tail. (laughs) Yep. So I would say that's another food, like not super into. Yeah. Yeah. No. And just own your preferences. Like if you don't like ice cream in a world that says ice cream is awesome, just you own that girl. (laughs) You just own that. Yeah. It's so cool to actually discover your own taste preferences through intuitive Mm -hmm. Totally. And you realize sometimes the things you were just eating because you told yourself you couldn't have them or you were eating it just because it's healthy. I know I realized, oh, I actually don't like raw cauliflower. It's kind of gross to me, but I was eating it because I thought I should because it was so nutritious. And it's really cool. Intuitive eating helps you kind of get to know yourself. It it really does. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think one of the most powerful things that I discovered about intuitive eating that I had no idea would have that it would have on my life is that I actually am much more able to verbalize my needs, my wants, and my desires in all areas of my life and my boundaries. And I was like, wow, did this just happen because I like stopped forcing myself to eat things like I didn't really like and like let myself eat things I do like? Like, wow, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's nuts. Intuitive eating skills and mindsets, it's so transferable into so many different areas. It's, It's wild. It's 
it just says it's such a gift from God, intuitive eating. I really do think it is. And when you said um, your boyfriend and then you corrected yourself and you said fiance, I remember that when you, it feels so weird in the beginning. And then when you're married, it'll feel weird saying husband, but it, okay. it's, it's so, it's a good weird though, because <laughs> it's, it's new. And anyways, it brought me back to when I would say fiance for the first time and, oh yeah, I, I have a fiance and that that's new and cool. So anyways, I, I I'm excited for you in that, like, uh, yeah. I don't know, being reminded that you have a fiance. I don't know if that makes sense. I love rambling. <laughs> it's also kind of, if you think about it, like, we'll probably be engaged the shortest of any phase of our relationship. Like, like you know, hopefully we'll be married, like, for a very long time. So I'll have a husband for many years. And then I dated him for, you know, seven, nine months. Uh, so he was my boyfriend. But we're probably only going to be engaged for three months. So I'm like, I only have a fiancé for three months. I need to, like, really relish and cherish these special moments with him. Yeah. And say that title a lot while you, yes. while you can. <laughs> <laughs> I changed his name in my phone to, like, Hunter, my fiancé. That's so sweet. I love that. Yeah. Aw. Oh, man. Okay, we're back on marriage. <laughs> we're back on engagement. <laughs> this is going to be a help, tough... We're girly. Yeah, this is going to be a tough episode, but we'll just go. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants us to talk about boys. Maybe that's where he's leading us for this episode. For sure. Um. So what about exercise? Is there some kind of movement that you're really into lately and then a type that you're, nah, it's not really my thing right now? Yeah, it's hard in Texas in the summer to move my body as much as I want because I actually love to be outside and it's mm -hmm. so hot here. So I do love taking long morning walks. I also love doing a mix of weights and hits. Right now, I kind of gotten like away from hit for a while. And then recently, I've been loving like 10 to 20 minute hit workouts. Um, and then I am not super into like biking, running. We actually have Peloton bikes in my gym and I, I hate sitting and exercising. Like I don't like rowing or cycling. Like I want to be standing up. I realized when I exercise. Mm -hmm. No, I relate with that. The only time I've liked a chair workout is when maybe the lower body was injured and it's okay, I can sit and still safely work out. But I'm I'm with you. I did not like biking and spin classes like, ugh. same. So. <laughs> I don't get the thing when people are like spin. I used to spin in college, actually. And I did like it then. But I literally like hate spin class. Like when people are like soul cycle, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I wish that people could see your expressions of when you're talking about biking and spinning, you just have this look of like great disgust. <laughs> Sorry, if you love spin class, I'm so happy for you. And it's all about doing what you love and what feels good in your body. It's just for me, not my thing. Yeah. And that's a way to honor like your body is to do your preference of what you like for exercise and joyful movement. It can be done in so many different ways. So totally okay if you like spin or you hate spin there's god's just so gracious that he's given us so many different ways to move our bodies so we don't have to do spin to be fit if we don't like it we can walk or run or do yoga or bar or pilates or whatever so yeah Absolutely. love that such fun answers i like hearing my guests answers they're always so <laughs> different um so i already shared your bio but i'd love if you just introduced yourself to my audience and shared like, how do you spend your days and what are some topics that you're super passionate about sharing with the world? Sure. So I am 41. 
and I'm engaged, if you guys didn't already know that. <laughs> um, but I live in Austin, Texas, and I am a trained registered nurse. So I was a nurse for six and a half years, primarily worked in the ER in a level one trauma center, and then became a online nutrition coach and primarily focused on weight loss through macro counting. Um, and now I'm an intuitive eating counselor. And um, I'm just really passionate about helping women feel good in body, mind, and soul. I think when I first started out, I was just kind of more focused on the body and missed the importance of also feeling really good in your mind and soul. And neglecting those two things led me down a path of like, hey, some things aren't working. I need to, to back up here and, and get reconnected to my faith and heal some bad patterns like dieting mentality and mindset. So I'm just very passionate about helping women feel good. I'm, I'm passionate about empowering women. I love to help people overcome limiting beliefs. Um, and I, you know, when people actually fill their minds with God's truth, then it becomes much easier to overcome these lies that we believe about ourselves. So I think those are kind of two of the things that I'm feeling most passionate um, about. And personally, I love to read. I love to cook. Um, I love spending time with people in my spiritual community and yeah, just continually growing in my faith. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, I think it takes very unique and special person to be able to work in the ER. I know a couple nurses who work there and I don't, not just anybody can do that. So that is really cool that God equipped you to do that for that season of your life. And I, I don't know how you can do it other than it must have been just God's anointing and ability to, to be in those situations. So that's crazy. And like, I thank you for your work that you do there because I know you changed and helped people in some of their seasons of life where they were just really struggling. Like you were helping people in the hardest moments of their life because it's an emergency yeah. room where no one plans to be. So um, yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you ever miss being a nurse? I occasionally do miss the camaraderie of the ER. So there was a feeling of being part of a team and mm -hmm. you you all start to know your role very um, clearly. So like you have the doctors, you have the nurses, you have techs, you have x-ray techs, you have like patient access techs, like who do like paperwork and registration. And it's like a dance and it's really cool when you have a good team it's almost like you don't, you communicate because you have to, it's healthcare, but you, you also just, you can mind read and kind of know what your coworkers are doing and anticipate their move, anticipate what they need. So I do miss that aspect of teamwork and camaraderie because working for myself has been rather isolating, even though there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, but I also experienced, started to experience you know, secondary trauma syndrome, which a lot of people don't mm -hmm. talk about. And that is where I wasn't directly experiencing the trauma, but I was constantly exposed to other people's trauma. And secondary trauma syndrome can start to create anxiety, depression, insomnia, obsessive thoughts, worry, um, stress. And I had definitely started to experience a lot of those negative side effects. So I don't miss that. I kind of feel like being an ER nurse or just a nurse in general is kind of like military service like you can kind of do it for a short duration but there's a reason that people can't do it over and over and over again it's like too traumatic and intense 
Mm, I never have heard of that term before, secondary uh, or secondhand tra trauma, but it, it makes sense when you explain it. It's really cool, though, that when you were at your limit, I need to get out of this, God showed you a way and that you could become an intuitive eating counselor because you had that nurse um, credential first. And so it's yeah. just cool. He's just so awesome and can lead a path out of something when we need out. And it was a great new job. Very different, but so it's just so yeah. like God is what I'm trying to say. So like him to provide a way out of a situation that you need to leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and, and I love and I love always remembering that God takes like all hard things and turns them into beautiful things, right? Mm -hmm. And like mm -hmm. me being in the ER pushed me to become an entrepreneur and start my own business. But and then me being an entrepreneur is ultimately what had helped me meet my fiance. You know, so it's like only when we zoom out can we be like, oh, God's hand is all over this. Like I should just submit and just surrender. <laughs> Yeah, it just reminds me of like what you're saying, Romans 8, 28, in all things, God can bring about good for us and glory for him when we love him. And so it just totally seems like a Romans 28 kind of story that you shared there. I, I love that so much. Um, so I've heard you say that God designed us all uniquely with a certain like genetic blueprint. So talk to us about the importance of embracing God's plan for our bodies when it comes to embracing God's design for our life and our body? That was a really long question, but hopefully yeah. you got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we are each unique and we each have a unique genetic blueprint. And I think it's so, I love understanding genetics and DNA. I think it's just the most fascinating thing that God like created this language to like make us each unique and different and that translates to different expressions in our bodies. So some of us are tall. Some of us are short. Some of us um, are very athletic looking naturally. Some of us are curvier. Some of us, you know, carry our weight in our hips. Some of us carry our weight in our chest or our bellies or both. You know, we're, we're all just different, you know, sizes, shapes, colors. We have different skin color, hair texture, eye color. And so I think one of the things that I try to remember is that God loves variety. Mm -hmm. Like to God, variety is beautiful. Diversity is beautiful. You see it in the plant life. He didn't just create all the trees the same. You know, he didn't just create like one type of animal. So when we, when we start to critique our bodies and be unhappy with our bodies, usually what we're doing is comparing them to some societal standard, some thin ideal, um, usually like a hypersexualized type of woman, a young woman, a very unrealistic aesthetic. Um, and if we think about how strange would it be if we actually all looked like that, like we would look like robots or automatons. That's the opposite of how God has actually created his world. He embraces and loves variety and diversity. So I've really used and stood in that principle um, to heal my relationship to my body or when I have a tough body image day, just reminding myself like, oh, like I have curvier hips and thighs than some women. Like that is uniquely how God designed me and I'm embracing that. So that's a little like taste of how I think about that. Mm -hmm. I love that. If you're struggling with, oh, my life doesn't look like hers, my career doesn't look like her, my body doesn't look like her, just coming back to that truth that I was made on purpose this way, like with great thought and intention, I was 
like God knew what he was doing when he made me and he wanted me to look different because he likes a different looking um, person. Like the world doesn't like difference, but God is all about, like you said, variety is beautiful for him. And just, I don't know, just God is, it could be helpful even saying God likes my different looking body, even if society doesn't. And so I, I love everything that you're saying. Um, I'm super curious from a nurse's perspective, because you know about anatomy way more than I do. Um, what factors contribute to where we like have fat distributed on our bodies? Are there like a genetics, sure. I'm assuming, but like, yeah, sure. talk to us about that. Yeah. Well, I think one thing to just to remember about the body is the body's very complex and we don't fully understand the body as humans, right? Our knowledge is still limited with the body and we we can research it and do all these experiments and try to understand things. But, and while we have definitely grown in our understanding of the body um, over the centuries, there are still limitations. And so, you know, anything I say, I just want to like preface with research also can change our viewpoints as time goes on and, and correct some of our misconceptions about the body. Um, I think one, it's helpful to almost look at your grandmother's bodies if you want to understand why your body looks the way it does. Like mm -hmm. as I've gotten older, I've reflected on both my grandmother's bodies that both of them had wider, curvier hips. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's what I have. How cool is it that I have part of my grandmother in me? Mm. Right. Um, also, both my grandmothers had, you know, more bustier chests. And I also have that. And like, I love that part of me, you know? So to, I think it's helpful to look at your relatives and that can help inform you a little bit of like, okay, there's a genetic component to my body shape, the size of my bones, how wide I am, where, etc. Um, another thing to understand is that, you know, when you go from child to woman, your body go through, goes through a lot of changes. And I think this is when a lot of body image issues start for women and a lot of dieting behavior begins is in puberty. And I know it did for me. I didn't have any body image issues until the summer between sixth and seventh grade. And that corresponded with when I got my period for the first time. And I think a lot of us don't realize that that tr it's almost like a trauma. Like you lose your girl body. Mm. You say goodbye to your girl body and you step into womanhood and a woman body. And that can be traumatic because, you know, women aren't always treated with respect in our culture. We're objectified. It can feel very vulnerable to now have a woman's body. And all these challenging feelings and emotions and thoughts can come up. And so, but I think it's important to remember that how your body starts to change through puberty tends to be your fat distribution for life. Mm. So your fat cells, you have a limited number of fat cells, but they can expand and contract. So where you have your fat cells is in place by puberty. Like by the end of puberty, where you hold fat, those fat cells are like basically permanently in place. So, you know, you can't, you can't at age 40, you can't change the number of fat cells and where they are on your body unless you do liposuction, right? Um, you, those are the fat cells you have. It just depends on like how much fat molecules they're each storing that determines your size at that point. 
So mostly, I guess, would you say uncontrollable factors? Like you can't really control it much unless like yeah. you said you have liposuction. Absolutely. You cannot control your like where your body chooses to distribute fat. I will say that I this is from experience working with clients that, you know, most people when they eat lots of sugar or alcohol, those types of foods, it does tend to uh, expand belly fat. But in general, I would say those factors for most of us are uncontrollable. Like even when I eat a lot of sugar, like I, I have a smaller belly than some of my other friends and I have heavier thighs, right? So just, yeah, it's an uncontrollable thing where your body, you can't notice that when you put a breadstick in your mouth, okay, for example, you don't actually, you don't say to that breadstick, please go to my booty or please go to my calves. <laughs> you have no control over where that breadstick goes. So yes, absolutely. You cannot control where your, where your body chooses to distribute uh, fat. So I guess if I'm hearing you correctly, it's more... Wise, I guess, to choose acceptance or even like a neutral body neutrality mindset rather than I'm going to control my body and where the fat goes because that's kind of not realistic. So more so either I'm just going to be neutral about my body if it feels too hard to be loving and accepting. Is that Would you agree with that? Yeah, I love the body neutrality perspective because I think it's very in line with God's wisdom that we we have a body. It's the temple of our soul and it's something that God's gifted us to steward well. Um, and it is an amazing vehicle for us to express service and love um, and share joy and share the gospel with other people, right? We can do that through this vehicle of our body. But God also tells us not to worship idols. And very quickly, a body can become an idol, the way it looks, even the health of a body. I think it's easy to kind of be like, oh, well, I'm not going to worship the aesthetics of my body, but I'm still worshiping health. Isn't that a good thing to worship? And no, that, that health can still be an idol, right? And so I really like body neutrality because I feel like it it comes in the middle and it says, okay, we're not going to worship our body like an idol, but we're also not going to neglect it and not steward it well. It's like let's be in the middle. So I love body neutrality. And I think another thing that's been helpful for me is to understand other factors that affect how our body looks. So for example, I have cellulite, okay? 90% of women have cellulite. Um, I actually did more research to understand cellulite because some micro traumas that happened to me around my body when I was younger, like for example, I had a guy tell me that I would just be really hot if I lost the fat off my thighs, okay? And, you know, I didn't have, um, I wasn't a believer at that point. I didn't know how to set boundaries. I didn't know how to stand up for myself. So I tolerated that type of verbal abuse, but that haunted me, right? And that drove me into dieting behavior because I felt shame and disgust around my cellulite, dimples on my thighs. Well, as I've gotten older and actually researched and understood physiologically what's, what is causing cellulite, it actually has to do with something called the fibrous septae, which are pieces of tissue that connect the dermis, the upper layer of skin with the, with the lower look, with the lower layer. And then, then there's fat cells in between. So it actually has very little to do with your fat. It has to do with these fibrous septae that cause that. And I was like, oh, that's why no matter how much weight I lost, I couldn't get rid of my cellulite. Because it's it's nothing to do with my body shape or my fat or where I st- it's like these little 
tendons I have no control over, right? So I think it's also helpful to just remember that there's many other things that are physiologically affecting your shape and how your body appears than simply, you know, you eating and your movement. I used to be really afraid of carbs and, and cheese just because diet culture demonizes those things. And something that was really healing for me was when I researched what is good about cheese. Like, oh, the calcium, the vitamin D, like, oh, it has a lot of protein in it. And it sounds like that's what you did with cellulite. And it was a very, very healing process to you just getting more knowledge. They say knowledge is power. And I think knowledge can sometimes kick out fear that we have. So I love that you, the research about cellulite and how it's not related to your, your weight, how that kind of helped you accept your cellulite. I, I really like that process that you outlined there. Yeah, absolutely. And to, and I think to, to realize that I, I didn't need to pursue fat loss anymore in this, this like kind of obsessive way, because I felt like my body was not good enough because of the cellulite, some dimples. And, and I actually realized like, oh, I have what's called grade three cellulite, which is, is, um, like when you have dimpling, even just like standing, but I don't have dimpling when I'm laying flat. And I noticed that in my body and I was like, oh, why is that? Well, it's because of the grade of cellulite that I have, which again is connected to the fibrous septae. So, and that has to do with like your skin thickness and just skin elasticity, these different factors that I have like very little control over, right? So I think, again, just understanding that my body is not this, you know, thing that I have to worship, but also understanding some of the physiology behind things has really helped me accept where my body's at, even if I still have those, you know, uh, hard, hard body image days. Mm -hmm. um, oh, there's so many things I want to ask you. And I'm, I'm trying to like, what do I want to ask first? I think we're going to skip a little around on our outline here. Um, you were, t you brought up a vulnerable moment where, where someone had said something really cruel to you about your body. Um, how, what are your thoughts on modesty and how we dress and how that can kind of invite harmful comments to people or invite harmful comments that people are making to us and um, how it kind of, I think I've heard you say about sometimes how we dress can kind of make us want to diet more if we're wearing certain things. Share your thoughts on that subject. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I feel like I've kind of done a 180 on some of these topics and I know it could sometimes triggering to some people to hear these things. So um, again, my, my goal is always to empower people and just share what has, what I've discovered has empowered me. But, you know, if we think about what drives us into dieting behavior, dieting mentality, poor body image, well, it, it, it comes from comparing our body to either um, our ideal of a body. It could be our past body, right? We could have be comparing ourselves to ourselves, but from five, 10, 15 years ago, it could also be comparing our body to a picture we see in the media, an airbrushed image, a friend. Um, we're comparing our body to somebody else's. Well, how are we able to compare our body? Well, we're seeing somebody else's body revealed, <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I can compare my body to my friend's body is because I've seen her in a bikini, <laughs> right? The only way I can, compare, right? I can only compare my body to, uh, you know, Heidi Klum because I've seen her in underwear walking the Victoria's Secret runway, right? Mm -hmm. So that started getting me thinking that, huh, 
Well, I guess the more modestly I'm dressed, one, other women aren't going to be vulnerable to comparing their bodies to my body as much and feeling maybe bad about their bodies. Two, the more modestly maybe all of us dress, perhaps that would improve all of the comparisonitis that we're engaged in. And then secondly, again, you know, as women in our culture, um, especially, you know, if you're not a believer, it's you're just kind of programmed to see your worth in your sexuality, in your youth, in your body. Well, you know, dressing modestly is a way to rebel and kind of reject that societal standard and value position. Um, and the opposite thing has happened to me than, than I thought in my past, which was I thought I needed to look sexier. I thought I needed to look better, more youthful to attract love. The opposite happened. The more modestly that I dress, you know, like the more respect I've shown for my body and sexuality and that it's sacred and protected and only for my future husband, the, the closer that drew my fiance to me. Um, it's, it's the opposite of what culture teaches. It's a lie of what culture teaches. So I think it's been really empowering for me to see the power of modesty. And then another thing that's helped me is to realize that my body is in a sense, and again, this might trigger some, some people, but like my body in a sense, isn't for me. Like I believe my body is for God and for my future husband, not in a, like, not in like a weird, like you know, do whatever you want to me. Like, I don't respect myself kind of way, but like, it's a beautiful gift I get to share with my husband as he's giving his body to me and sharing that gift with me. And so to think about like, I don't need, I, I'm, my body's not even for me to look at. Like, I don't need to gaze at myself in the mirror. Like, what's that about? That's weird. Like, actually the only person who ever needs to see me naked is my husband. And cool. So that's those are some of my thoughts on modesty and how it can actually empower and help you with your body image. I like that. That was so powerful. Everything you shared, that was so good. I'm, I like to sometimes put like a sound clip at the beginning and just some of those mic drop moments that guests drop. And just in the last few minutes, you did some mic drop moments. I'm like, oh yeah, those are going to be the sound clips at the start. <laughs> like those are such good uh, things that you were saying. And I like how you said... Um, when we dress a certain way, um, you're gonna like bring in not maybe the quality guys if you're dressing a certain way. Whereas you said, once you dress more modestly, it actually brought in a quality guy. And again, that's not what Hollywood will teach us or, uh, help us believe, but that's, that's so good. Um, oh yeah, I'm just struggling so hard over here. Which question do I want to ask? Because we only have so much time. Um, let's shift gears to weight because you you were a weight loss coach. So let's talk about some of that. I mean, we have already a bit, but what are your, how would you simplify set point theory? How would you share someone about that concept? I think that's really healing for people. So yep. take it away. Okay, yeah. So if you're not familiar with it, set point theory is the theory that your body actually has a genetically programmed weight that it wants to be at, that it's going to try to course correct either way to get you to. Meaning if you go under your set point, your body is going to try to do everything it can to help you gain weight to return to set point. Alternatively, if you go way over your set point, your body's also going to change things in your body to correct you back to that lower set point. Um, and set point theory 
really comes from the concept of how the body regulates different things. So for example, your body temperature has a set point. So your body temperature is, is set uh, uh, in a certain range and your body will do anything it needs to do to keep you in that range. Because if you get outside that range, you're going to die, right? The human body really only has about a 10 degree window for survival. If your body temperature goes above 104 to 105 degrees, you start to have brain damage and die. If your body temperature drops below 95 degrees, you're in hypothermia which is crazy because 95 actually seems really hot, right? Like I go outside and the weather's 95 degrees. I'm like, that's really hot. But for your body, that is death. Okay. So 10 degree window. Well, think about what happens if you get cold, what happens? You start to shiver. Your body's trying to generate warmth. You will seek a coat. You will be like, who has a jacket I can borrow? I need a sweater. You will seek to go inside somewhere. You'll turn on the heat. You'll make a cup of tea. Those are all things that your body's driving you to do to help you raise your temperature back up to that set point. Alternatively, what happens on a hot summer day? Your body starts to sweat. So evaporation can cool you. You will seek shelter. You'll be like, I got to go inside. I, I can't be in this heat. You'll seek AC. You'll drink some cold water, right? Your, your body's driving your set point lower because it's gotten too high. So if we think about that with weight, you know, have you ever lost weight and you maintained it for a period of time and then you just went right back to that previous weight no matter what you did? That's set point theory at place or at play. So it's really a way to think about that your body has a genetically programmed window it wants to be in. For most people, set point has a range, like maybe 10 to 20 pounds. For example, I've never been 200 pounds. That's not my set point. I've also never been 100 pounds, right? Um, so my set point is is in a different window. Um, and I try to avoid saying numbers because I know for some women that can trigger comparisonitis, but just as an example. And the reason that I've really come to understand and believe set point is just from also witnessing so many clients over the years lose weight, regain it, lose weight, regain it. I've just seen women's bodies, like the body's actually very resistant to change. Um, and you can see that when you actually work with women who are attempting dieting, how hard the body fights that change. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love the way that you explain set point theory with temperature and to help people understand how it's the same thing with our weight. I've never heard someone do it that way. I've heard other analogies for set point, but I thought that was really cool. And I like to call set point like your happy weight. It, and I do think intuitive eating helps you get to your set point. And it's this weight that feels really good to be at mentally and physically. And it, I think you can get there and stay there with enjoyable and sustainable habits. It shouldn't feel like this crazy hard thing to stay at because it's your body wants to stay there. I heard someone say it's like a balloon um, on the top of water. And if you push it down, it like wants to come up. And but when you're at like, that little balloon or water ball or whatever is on just the like the top of the water, it's just like floating away. It's, it's so happy to be. And that's kind of your set point. So I know a concern with people with intuitive eating is what if intuitive eating, what if my set point is bigger and the world tells us that bigger is bad, it's worse, and you don't really know what your set point is going to be with intuitive eating. You could gain weight, you could lose weight, you could stay the same, or you could lose weight, or I mean, you could gain weight for a little bit in that honeymoon phase and then kind of settle out. What would you say to the woman who's so fearful of gaining weight? by embracing intuitive eating and getting to her set point? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a, it's a hard issue. So if you're struggling with that fear, it's hundred percent normal. And I've been there too. I really struggled with that fear as I started to heal my relationship to body and food. I started to gain weight actually fairly rapidly when I started intuitive eating. Part of that is because I personally, having been a weight loss coach, had severely restricted my food for about seven years. So while I wasn't forcing myself to only eat like 400 calories a day or something, I had made so many foods off limits. So when you come to intuitive eating, you have to think about, well, what's my current history? If you've you know, been restricting foods for a long time, you might actually be artificially um, suppressing your natural weight, okay, through restriction and over-exercise. So it's very natural and healthy for your body to gain some weight. I've actually noticed since I've gained some weight intuitive eating, my menstrual cycle has gotten even more normal and more cramp-free. Hmm. That's that's a sign that hormonally my body is happier at a higher weight. That's a That's a healthy thing. Your period is your sixth vital sign. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, so one thing that helped me with that fear of weight gain is to think about how could my health actually improve from me gaining some weight? How could my physical health improve? How could my mental health improve? How could my relational health improve, etc.? I know that I had a fear of gaining weight because I was afraid that here I am, 40 and still single, you know, my body's the one of the things I got going for me. If I gain weight, am I gonna be able to attract a partner? And I had to give up that that fear, and I had to realize that you know what, my body actually isn't my access to love. I need to work on these other things in my life, um, like drawing closer to God, growing in my faith, being bold and courageous at meeting people, being more social, being more open, vulnerable, friendly. Those are the things that are actually going to guide me to finding love, not having no cellulite and being a size two. <laughs> so I think understanding like the cost too, like what is it costing you to actually be obsessed with your weight and to restrict foods or to yo-yo diet and binge and restrict and binge and restrict. What's that costing you in your mental happiness and your emotional health and your physical health too? A lot of people don't talk about the risks of dieting, muscle loss, hormonal imbalances, etc. not to mention very severe issues that can happen from actually like uh, clinical eating disorders like anorexia and bulimia. So I, that's something that's helped me navigate the fear, focus on the positives that actually can come from gaining some weight. Um, you know, focus on what is it costing you to be restrictive and obsessive. Um, also to think about, you know, set point. Okay. Like eventually, like if I'm truly listening to my hunger and fullness signals, though, there will be a point where my body's like, I've kind of had enough. This happened for me where I started to see how my body was trying to almost return me to a lower set point. So physiologically, what happens is as we have more fat on our bodies, those fat cells release more leptin. So you have a higher blood level of leptin, the more body fat you have. And that leptin level tells your uh, brain that you're full. And I noticed this happened to me after I had been habituating more sugary foods and I had put on some weight all of a sudden my appetite just went to zero. I felt great. I felt energized. Like I felt good, but I just was like not hungry a lot of the time. And I was like, Oh, that's my body naturally responding and 
you know, I'm kind of doing this as I find my set point and I'm waving my hands. I know people can't see that, but kind of like a wave up and down. So those are some things that help me navigate the fear. And then I think also having really good tools for coping with fear and anxiety. So like a fear resolution exercise that my Christian therapist taught me, I use with clients using CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy is another tool that's greatly helped me pulling close to God, being in scripture every day. Kind of attacking it holistically is something that I think is really the only way through to cope with that fear because it's so ingrained in us to be fat phobic in our culture. Mm-hmm. I a hundred percent agree with you that. Um, and that was very helpful for me that fear of weight gain. If I just focused on what else are you gaining? You're not just going to gain the weight. You're going to gain back so much other good things. And when I have a bad body image day, even now, and I look that or I see a picture where I'm, I was smaller in a different year, I think, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I know when your mind starts to freak out, you're like, wait, 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 life is so much better now. I don't want to go back to that size because that size was not just that size. It had like all these other factors were affected because I was that size and obsessed with exercise and food. So this life is better. Just kind of going back to that, even when you are that new weight can be helpful reminding yourself of the positives. Um but it, it's tricky because uh, we live in a world that really, like you said, is fat phobic and it can be tricky, especially if your set point is bigger than what the world says is, is beautiful. What, uh, this isn't in our sheet, but what do you think God would say? Like, let's bring in scripture and just like God's character. What would he say, do you think, to a woman who is afraid of being in a bigger body? Mm. I think God would start by like reminding her of truth, you know, which is that she is created by God. She's designed by God. She is loved by God. She's forgiven by God. Um, and those just grounding myself in that truth has helped me so much with my body. I think sometimes unresolved sin in our lives and the shame of that sin can then drive women into compulsive eating and using food as a way to um, negate those feelings. Like I definitely had moments where when I was engaged in sin, you know, earlier in my life, sexual sin, I, it would, I would often follow sexual sin with like binge eating. And so I think it's so important that we ground ourselves as women in God's truth for our bodies and our hearts, because that has a direct effect and ripple effect on how we interact with food. So I think God would just remind her, um, like she's forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Like she's redeemed, like she's loved, she's cherished. And that ultimately our bodies are, temporary until we're raised again, right? Like on this earth, this side of heaven, this lifetime, this moment, our bodies are decaying, right? That's like the sin nature of the world. There's decay and death right now. Our bodies are decaying. We age. They eventually shrivel and die and turn to dust, whether we cremate ourselves or we just naturally decompose, we're turned back to dust. And so that always helps me just kind of let go of, of that, um, but it's more, it's easier for me to talk about, I think, because I'm still in a smaller body and have access to, I don't experience weight stigma, um, whereas, you know, women of other sizes might. So even though I've gained weight, I'm still in a like culturally 
relatively acceptable thin body, quote unquote. So it, it it's not something that's easy for me. I think another good thing is to always surround yourself with women who are your size and body shape, who are promoting positive, healthy messages. I actually found a fashion um, person I like to follow online who has a body. Um, she has larger thighs and hips um, and a smaller upper body, which is like me. And I love following her content because I can see my own body shape in her posts. So those are, those are a few things that I would, I would think God would say or direct women to. Mm -hmm. I like that tip to find women who look like you. And then it normalizes, it normalizes that, oh, other people have this body. It's, it's, um, I don't know. And sometimes you can see someone else as beautiful when it's not you like, oh, I really like her freckles. And then you think, oh, but I don't like my freckles, but I really like hers and they're the same. Right. And so, <laughs> so that can really be healing too. So, oh man, there's just so much wisdom that you've shared. And I just, it was really, like I said, struggling. What question do I ask? Because there's just so many things that I would love to chat with you. Um, but I guess we're going to wrap up here. So tell everybody where they can find you online if they want to hang out with you virtually. Sure. So my favorite place to hang out uh, is Instagram at Heather McConaughey. Although when this episode airs, I might be under my married name, which will be Heather Hodnett. So um, find, you can find me some way. That's crazy to say out loud that actually I'll be a different name, which is super exciting. Um, but yeah, you should be able to find me. Also, my podcast is called The Positive Thread. So that name won't change. You can find me on iTunes and Spotify. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you what was you know most helpful for you from the episode. So feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram after you finish listening to this episode. Mm -hmm. And I think this episode is probably going to air in January. So you said you were going to have a short engagement. So your name probably will be different. Yes. So I'll link, I'll link in the show notes your Instagram handle in it. Um, I'll make sure it, I'll link it in January. So it's whatever your new handle is, but yeah, it's so exciting. All those yeah. little, oh yeah, my name will be different then. That's so fun. I know. It's a little weird too, because, you know, as having my own company, like my brand has been my name. So it's, I have to like think about changing website and all these things, which is really exciting, but it's also a little overwhelming to be like, oh, I have to also update my whole business now. <laughs> yeah. And like credit cards and mailing address. It's a whole thing. Just take it one thing at a time. Okay. Otherwise it's too overwhelming. Great. Thanks for the tip. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, thank you so much. I learned some awesome tips that I have not heard and I've listened to a lot of intuitive eating resources, but you shared some unique ones that I've never heard. So that is just wisdom from God that he is speaking through you. So thanks so much for, for sharing. It was a great conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Nyla, what's a Christian life coach? Great question. Well, when a basketball player wants to improve their skills on the court, they hire a basketball coach or a personal trainer. When a child or adult desires to improve their singing voice or musical instrument skills, they hire a voice teacher or a piano or guitar teacher. Certified life coaches like me, we help people get stronger in various life areas that they feel less than confident in currently. As your Christian life coach, I can help you ditch dieting and improve body image from a biblical lens, as well as help you feel better in other areas such as relationships, boundaries, people-pleasing, self-care, comparison, perfectionism, and more. To book an inquiry call, you can go to Instagram and you can DM me at nutritionwithnyla and say you're interested. It's for free and it's 15 minutes and you can ask me all your questions about possibly hiring me as your Christian life coach and I do do it virtually over the phone so it doesn't even matter if we're not in the same country which is so cool technology is such a gift from the lord <laughs>